The initial draft is tomorrow, and we are finishing off our prospect coverage today and tomorrow with two more profiles. Today, we're talking to Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey, all about Yuri Kulik on today's Locked on Blue Jackets. Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you all of the news, the stories, the trials, the tribulations, etc., etc., about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making us your first listen of the day every day. Locked Up Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also on YouTube. Uh, you're never going to have to get behind a paywall to listen to a locked on product and that is our guarantee so uh today like i said at the top of the show we're talking to sam mcgilligan uh a scout for mckean's hockey uh, we've had him on the show before very very smart has lots of lots of very smart things to say about prospects and today we're talking about yuri kulik so i'm just gonna get right into it so the draft just keeps getting closer and closer uh as of the time of airing this episode i think it will be that, that week next week the draft is in like a week and a half it's it's very very soon and so we've got our last couple of draft profiles before the big thing uh and so i've got sam miguel in here uh of mckean's hockey to kind of come and talk a little bit about a couple of guys that i've kind of had an eye on but haven't really had a chance to dig into in a lot of detail yet uh, how's it going sam fantastic how are you I am good. Like I talked about off mic, it's raining extremely hard, so I'm hoping that my microphone is not picking it up, but it we'll is see. not. <laughs> it um, is not. As I learned this morning, I did a podcast with the Red Wings this morning as well. Uh, Restream is really good for cutting out background audio. So, Oh, that is good to know. So we might uh, we might be safe from the, the thunderstorms. Um, but uh, let's, uh, let's talk about hockey players. Um, I want to talk about Yuri Kulik. Um, who is a name that I've been hearing all year and just haven't really dug into as a as a prospect because there's there's only so much time in the day, you know? Um, and prospect is not my chief area of, of expertise. So uh, unlike, you know, yourself. So what can you tell me about Yuri Kulik? What kind of player is he? He's a torts player, if there was to ever be one. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, maybe not exactly a torts player per se, but he's the, I like Scouch's phrase for these types of players, the meat and potatoes guys, the fundamentals mm. guys. Kulik is high effort motor, really good shot. As the season progressed, got really good at finding and manipulating open space for said shot, which is a, kind of a big deal. Uh, he plays a really simplistic game that, compliments those around him but does not drive the line uh his u18s were the result of kind of like all of his progress through the year showing uh just kind of coming together at the right moment so uh for context he scored nine goals in six games at the u18s i believe one mvp which is just like crazy uh that's a lot of goals and they 
very few of them were fluky. I mean, you can't like reliably score nine goals in six games anywhere, pretty much. But he gets open really well. He reads the ice really well. He finds those little soft spots of ice and then times the movement into him. And it's the timing of the movement that was kind of his problem earlier on. Like I always had the vibe that he was kind of hovering around the right areas, but there was just... Everything was off by just a small margin of inches or something. There were times where I would see him earlier in the season be open for a shot and then kind of like not adjust his body positioning enough to account for the pass coming in. And he just kind of like has to stretch out to catch it and doesn't get to shoot it. Or he kind of doesn't realize that the pocket he's in is about a second or two to late and it's closed and he needs to have moved forward a bit there was there was a process of it's like you could see the brain was trying to figure it out but it just wasn't all there and as the more and more season went on it was just progress up like next to no stagnations in that regard uh he's not a dynamic playmaker really like i've seen individual passing plays and stuff that indicate that he's not incompetent he's a good passer in terms of like he's just solid he's reliable he won't force dumb passes through for the sake of forcing dumb passes he won't overhandle the puck for the sake of overhandling the puck he knows these aren't really his strengths and is more reliant on just getting the puck on a stick finding the next play whatever it is whether most of them are the small connecting plays kind of like the to a trailer behind him or he will just be the the link up guy or just like a quick one touch pass over to someone else those parts of his game can be pretty effective uh he gets the majority of his work done through there. And it doesn't sound like much and it really isn't, but that's the whole, that's why Will calls these guys like meat and potatoes guys, because it doesn't matter. They're still efficient, right? Like he's still getting tangible results that are really easy to project to the NHL. And he, that this is all without mentioning the fact that he is easily one of the best defensive forwards in this draft. Like one of the most defensively responsible forwards. Um, This is that same, survey the ice and know where to be at the right time off puck play which is 90 percent of the job because you don't get to touch the puck much anyways in a shift right you think about it, you only get like five seconds at most that's like that's a that's a lot because normal shifts 45 seconds there's 10 guys on the ice you know um this part of kulik's game is why i think he's gonna go really high in the draft or maybe not really high that's but relative to what people expect, like I think he's going to end up going top 15 or 20. I can't remember where he was on Bob McKenzie's final list when it came out the other day. Uh, that is a... I can't find out. Uh, he's Look 18th. At... He's on... 18th? Okay. I looked at it literally before starting this and then immediately <laughs> forgot because I was trying to remember Minchikov, which I believe is 13. Is Minchikov 13? Uh, I have this open somewhere. 12. Close enough. Which is appropriate um, for, uh, yeah. Yeah. for this. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Um, Kulik. Both of those guys, I think, have real possibility of going in the top fifteen. Yuri Kulik is the type of player that, like, Euro bias just does not exist for because he plays that NA style of game that really doesn't like. It benefits more on closer ice or on smaller ice if it can translate well. So he's everything for him works better when there's when he's in close proximity with people like some of his biggest strengths with the puck come from his ability to handle contact in general. Uh, the fun, uh, the, I won't 
fundamentally it's a little difficult to speak on sometimes just because I'm not the dude out there throwing throwing my weight against him and I'm not speaking to him and understanding like his kind of his routine and his regimen for strength and conditioning. So it's hard to project, but overall, just based on like looking at the way he leverages himself and gains inside position, his skate angles as he's doing. So he gets in and he's able to shield the puck and protect it quite well, making him a possession asset at the very least. It may not turn into much like I, he's not using this skill in the same way that, you know what, Colum- uh, this isn't the right comparison, but I'm just going to use an extreme example because it's Columbus. Josh Anderson, that monster of a man when he is just flying through the offensive zone and shrugging everybody off like they're nothing. He he won't be doing that. That's not his game. But when faced with pressure and contact, he will be able to maintain possession and find the outlet, which is more important than a lot of people think because... You, you can't do that, then that's a 50-50 chance of a turnover at minimum, kind of, if you can't do that regularly every time you get pressured. And the NHL is nothing but pressure. And NHL coaches and GMs look at that and go, yeah, that's a big problem, man. I don't really look – I don't care about the other strengths. If, like, if I can't even trust this dude to handle pressure and not, like, cough the puck up every time. So that, that short passing game of his kind of works out well there. On the power play, this guy is just going to be – firing shots he's gonna be the guy you want out there shooting the puck um he's not the most dynamic in terms of creation which might stifle his use maybe it that'll be just coach dependent and system dependent but i'm you know usually teams account for this when they're drafting them at the very least like can you see him on the power play or not i don't personally put that much weight into power play stuff just because like I find that's an easy trap to fall into in terms of ignoring a bunch of 5v5 flaws for two minutes where the guy can score just because there's extra space, what they all can, right? But yeah. um... In a minute, I've got more of my conversation with Sam about Kulik, but first I've got to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. If you would like to put some money on who the Blue Jackets are going to draft, on uh, the first round tomorrow, then you can do that at betonline.net, I bet. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, uh, including Major League Baseball. Uh, football starts soon, so you can find futures for that. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use a mobile device as BetOnline.net to learn more about the trends and action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked on Blue Jackets your first listen every day. The NHL Draft is right around the corner, and our team of local hosts and draft experts are breaking it down with insight and analysis for every first-round pick. You can subscribe to Locked on Blue Jackets on YouTube for all the latest breakdowns on the NHL Draft and more. That's Kulik's read is kind of just one of the more simple ones you can find in the draft. Like, There's not much more to it than that. There are details within what I'm mentioning that are worth bringing up if you want to do like a full deep dive on the player but 
if you're if the whole point of this is to get like a fundamental understanding of what you'll be drafting if you draft them, is that's it. Whether that's worth 13th pick for Columbus, I would personally say it's not because while that is an extremely valuable player and there you can the range of which he's acceptable to be picked can start at like that range, like 13th. It won't be the worst pick in the draft. It won't even be close to it. Like that's the thing with cool. Like you can take him there and you're just like, we got a player most likely. And like, we don't, and I like, we got a player who sometimes people hear like, we got a player and fans are immediately disappointed because we got a player. doesn't always mean like, we just got upside. Like we just, they just picture another random body in their bottom six, but he, when I say you got, I mean, like you got a good bottom six player, like the type of player that when he's in your bottom six and you're watching him, you're just like, well, I'm happy he's here. So the other guys let me to go. Um, yeah, he, this has been a, such a weird, and I've talked about this with a couple of prospect guys. It's looking at like the, the so like the, the, the top five consensus guys, I think is, is a, a, sta- a, a group. And then I was looking and I was like, it could literally be one of 20 guys that go anywhere between six and 26, you know? So like, yeah, this guy could go uh, 12th overall, or he could go in the second round, you know? And there's really no way of of figuring out what's going to happen until you're on the night, which I think makes your job difficult. It also makes my job difficult trying to figure out, you know, is, could this guy be a blue jacket? Absolutely. But so could 20 other guys. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's a huge problem. And actually, you could probably increase that range a little bit knowing it's Columbus and knowing mm-hmm. that you guys have no issue making a swing for a swing if you need one. Jan Kekalainen uh, likes the players that he likes, and he's not going to let anyone tell him otherwise. Yep, and he's not going to let anyone else take him either. Yigo uh, did season review for his rookie season, speaking of, you know, players that Kekalainen and was like, this is who I want and we're taking him and I will not accept any other players. So. I'll never forget my reaction to that, but that's like, sometimes we're just wrong, man. Sometimes we are just wrong looking at these guys because I don't even really remember my Chinikov read too much. I hardly even watched him because I don't have the time to like go past. Like, like I want the players I watch to fully know them like to understand them and get into the details the more i add to the list the less i can do for the back half of that list like i'll always focus on like the top whoever my top two rounds are will be looked into properly which is why this year it is just my list will be like just top 64 when it comes out but uh yeah, Chinikov is the type of guy who slips by me because of that. But I honestly went back and saw some of his draft year stuff, and I'm amazed that he took the swing on that because it was just like, I still wouldn't have, like, even if I had done a full detailed dive, I think my reaction would have been the same, and it just would have been wrong because sometimes mm-hmm. these these guys have, like, the, the that's the advantage teams have. Like, they can see they have they're the ones, especially general manager, he is quite literally in charge of every aspect of this, from the scouting to the development to the coaching to the implementation and the, like, all, all of it he's in charge of. So they get so much additional information and resources to work with when making these picks. And if there are flaws within the player, you can interview them if it's a game sense thing and figure out the thing. If it, if it works with what you're looking for and you are impressed, then that means you can you know, work with this stuff out with video sessions and game repetitions, et cetera. If it's mechanical issues, you talk to your development team and see what they can do. If there are certain weaknesses you don't like and strengths you do like, you see if you can, you know, 
balance the strengths out to mitigate the weakness. This is all the stuff teams do that, like us public scouts, don't have an advantage on that really do end up changing the draft board. And that's how Chinakov became a first rounder and became really good still, even though I do not think it was unreasonable to be low on him at the time. It just that's just how it works sometimes. No, and he was an overager as well. Yeah. Like, oh this, yeah, that's this another just, go around in the draft. Never so. mind. I forgot he was an overager. Never yeah. mind. I never would have even considered it, regardless of how. I did so much research on Hendrix Lapierre, who went twenty uh, second, um, uh, because I was like, "That's who Columbus is going to take. That's who they're going to take." And then they were like, "No, we've drafted this guy that no one's ever heard of." And I'm like, "Cool, thanks, thanks, Yamo." But um, I want to talk a little bit more about um, Kulik because I was looking just at his like base stats. And immediately seeing like 14 points in 49 games for his Czech uh, adult team this season, like that worries me. But I also remember I was talking to, I want to say I was talking to Scouting about, um, I want to say it was Gleb Trikasov who played a handful of KHL games this year and didn't get any points, but because he was playing like 45 seconds a game he was having like two shifts is that the same kind of thing happening here or is it uh, just a case Kulik of had, Kulik had um no Kulik definitely had a larger sample than the guys like Yurov and Club Chikazov did the KHL specifically like because it's such a high level league the kids even if they're good enough to play they don't play much like they really don't play much you need to be a world beater to get a ton of minutes in there or just have a great fit with the world most conditions players aren't going to really stand out or get a lot of reps and this can sometimes exist for even the shl and liga where like they're just kind of not getting the ice time required a big part of it is just like it's no matter what the pro hockey league is it's difficult as a 17 18 year old to play in the pro hockey league and when your game is built on physical contact and tiny margins of space and most of like that's kind of like why Kulik's off puck scoring i think really took a really took a step forward as the season progressed because that was Kulik's primary tool that he could weaponize against these guys because he was not as effective with his usual play style as he should have been because he was going up again he would be 18 he'd have the right leverage on a guy he'd have the right entry angle and the other guy would be like by the way i'm 27 boom and just like kind of manhandle him and the other problem with these things is like these players may have the fundamentals to like play through contact like that's what yuri kulik has he I think that he will be a plus player through contact in the NHL. I don't know how high of a ceiling it'll be, or I don't know if it's enough to build an entire game around, but luckily he's got, you know, more than that um, in terms of like off puck effort and just positioning and just smart, short passing. But the major thing with Kulik is that when these guys are getting mauled by bigger players, the, the puck skill that they have really kind of diminishes because they're not used to having force exerted on them that way. And it, like it's a, an adjustment period to overcome the just, Oh wow. That was a much more powerful, like shrub, shrub, uh, <laughs> a much more powerful shove from that guy than I was expecting. And now I'm off balance and now I don't have my, like, everything is just slightly off. And now he's, and these guys know this, right? Like they're professionals. They've been playing the 18 year olds come in every year and they're going to, these guys have been just mauling them every single time. 
it's just a circle of hockey life. The the older professionals know the younger ones are just going to be susceptible to certain amounts of physical play. And more than that, they know how the second they do it to just, they built an advantage right there of Kulik, let's say, gets shoved by a bigger player. Kulik kind of just mishandles the puck a little bit. Now he knows he's mishandled the puck and he can just pounce on him. And they do. And then the other, and then the rookie is just sitting there like, what the hell just happened? In a minute. I have got more of my conversation with Sam about Kulik. It's coming up next on Locked on Blue Jackets. <laughs> and then there's the second adjustment of just growing strong enough to withstand the contact. So there's the stronger players. Once they're used to it, even if they're weaker, they'll be able to recover faster. And this is something that was in Kulik's advantages of like you saw him get better as the season progressed in terms of just not folding under pressure i guess is the better way of saying it than just like beating it because uh, these bigger guys are just like there's it's not so much size it's just strength and experience and just playing 60 minute hockey games of this physicality it just it's a big process so it's mostly just getting used to it and then actually you know developing the strength to manage it but that you won't be able to do in the span of a year this tape the strength part it just comes from conditioning over years after development or after the draft during but also like draft, not being years. 18 years old you yeah, know and that's like, just a huge part was... of it as well right like, <laughs> you know to... sorry go ahead nope, that's all i was gonna say I was just going to say, I've, I've talked to a handful of, you know, prospect guys now. I've talked to a handful of prospects and, you know, like 18-year-olds are nowhere near done. Like maybe not even growing tall. You know, you see these guys that have grown three inches since their draft year or they've put on, you know, 20 pounds of muscle or whatever. And so it's always so weird that we're like, he's too small, too small. And I'm like, he's he's 18, you know. Um, I think Kulik is, what, six foot, six one. Something yeah, like that. Uh, and and a half. So, like, he's probably yeah, got some that, growing that's... to do, but he'll get stronger. He'll get bigger. Yeah, um, exactly. That parts of his, I don't think really anybody's overly concerned with that part of his game. Like I, I one thing with um, prospects and pro leagues a lot is how much their physicality gets exposed. Like mm -hmm. Noah Oslin was a big example of this when he went up to J20 relative to Liam Ogren and Jonathan Lecker Maki, because even though I think Oslin's kind of the better player of the three, he was shut down the minute the door was closed on him he he had brilliance he had, i think he adapted way better than most people thought in terms of like second efforts and stuff and like realizing what to do the second the contact was made but it didn't matter because they were so much stronger than him and he was tiny and physicality people are concerned because physicality with him is a legit flaw right now like it's not like oh he'll get stronger over the years like right now it's a flaw i'm still not really concerned because i don't think you should be until like 20 years old because of the like you said it takes years and they're not done yet and some of these guys just haven't spent the time in the weight room and just you know all of that type of stuff right but kulik is not one of them kulik is one of the ones where you can look at him and be like hey well he's gonna be a contact player in the nhl like that's definitely a thing and now it's just about like getting him there so it, he manages to turn, even though they both are susceptible to the same problems right now in their different leagues, he manages to turn that physicality into a strength because it's so projectable. 
because you can just kind of see how it works. Now that's what's going to make him a net front guy. That's what's going to make him really good on the forecheck, and he is going to be good on the forecheck. That is what's going to make him a solid defensive presence in those board battles. It's just going to make him annoying as hell at pretty much any time you have to go against him in the perimeter. May not be so beastly that he's just mauling guys left and right, but it's good enough to get the job done because all that is with Kulik is just finding ways to get the job done. He doesn't have the highest level of puck skill. He doesn't have the highest passing knowledge. He's not the most deceptive or brilliant manipulator dragging defenders way the hell out of their position just be before like no look passing it in the slot who knows maybe he has this game i mean there's been crazier things happened he's not like it's not like he doesn't have skill or any levels of this it's just it's mostly grades out as kind of like average like it'll be it's not it won't be a weakness in the nhl it won't be a strength he might pull off the occasional cool move there like the random bottom six players do you're like wait he can do that and then he never does it again because he couldn't get himself in the right position to pull it off but that's mostly yuri kulik he's just simplicity refined pretty much and it makes him such a easy pick even as early as like 13 it's like you said there's like there are legitimately 20 players and 20 players is my exact number between sorry let me give an exact thing here number 13 that is the blue jackets pick correct at 12 12 okay 13 so 12 is the end of my third tier and 13 is the beginning of my fourth and it goes all the way to 23 and then the next one goes to 34 however that's actually one gigantic tier uh, goes from 13 to 34 that when I was looking at it all year, I was like, well, that's just not going to be a thing. So I'm going to find a way to, I'm going to find like the top half and the bottom half and divide it. But when I'm even going to have, I have a little thing already written up for the rankings when they come out pretty much saying like these two tiers are so close that you could remove the tier separation. And I'm, be okay with it because that's how this draft is going to be so open and i have a feeling where it said every the last few years that we're going to see a lot of chaos and reaches and the like but i feel like i don't know i'm anticipating chaos like let's do it i'm I'm all for it exactly i think the first like 12 picks outside of like maybe one will be almost exactly how people think maybe like give or take a spot or two but like your check's gonna go somewhere between like four and eight honestly i wonder if he could just like dark horse his way up to three um Nemich could do the same thing cooley could slip although he shouldn't because that'd be ridiculous uh savoy will likely go somewhere around your guys's pick to the buffalo range like the usual names you expect are gonna go up there they'll just like and down two or three spots maybe but that's where they're gonna go and then around your second pick is when chaos is just gonna break out because i have no clue i have never heard and i i I don't want to say this like it's a credible fact so grain of salt this but i do trust the people who tell me these things um i have never heard of so many separate nhl scouts having so many different players listed as top 10 guys there are so many. I have a few that stick out where I'm just like, 
I've looked, I've opened my list a few times. I'm like, I am going to get shit for this when it comes <laughs> out. And it's what it is, what it is. And I, I've seen other times where uh, I'm just like, uh, this draft is just going to be chaos. And the best possible way is going to be chaos. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Like the Blue Jackets had a ton of first round picks in the past two drafts. And like, sure, if we get crazy with the 12th overall pick in this year, in this year's draft, I'm like, sure, let's do it. Let's draft some, I don't know, let's draft uh, Lane Hudson, for example. Oh, let's, let's do it. You know, literally, um, writing out the final version of my last piece for McKean's. That's what I was doing before we started this. It's yeah. on Hudson. I'm just I'm adding the finishing touches before doing the video segment, finalizing it all tonight. Lane Hudson goes to the Columbus Blue Jackets at 12. I will <laughs> literally scream at the top of my lungs in the draft. I will just, I will scream so loud that the building will like quake or something. <laughs> And no Montreal fan will be able to understand why, because I'm going to be wearing a Habs jersey most likely. Right. Just, what the hell? But <laughs> just very passionate about. I would. Boston. I think it would be so surprising as well, just because it's like of all teams, Columbus. I do not think Columbus is one of the 16 that are in on Hudson. No, I also uh, don't. But like, it was just it was the first like name know. that, that popped just in so my head. Fun. I was like, you know what? Like, there's if, and if it happens, you heard it here first, guys. There are so many tangible reasons why Lane Hudson will likely not make the NHL. There's so many good reasons and so many good methodologies I've heard from people explaining the problems. And there's a little, you know, he's got mechanical flaws in his skating and at his size, that's just like, that's a, that's a non, like it has to be fixed. This is a non-discussion. Like if it's not fixed, it just doesn't work. And I don't care about any of it. I don't care. I am taking him high. Because the brain on this kid is unreal. Some people doubt him for his, or some people doubt his intelligence and say he's a little too over reliant on skill and the like. I see a five foot eight defender who spent his whole life as the smallest guy on the rink without a significant speed advantage, which is rare, who has studied the game to such an extent that he knows everything that he needs to know and is just he let's put it this way he knows that when he gets to college the his little arsenal of tricks he's a little over reliant on right now is not going to work he's already but the brain's going to be like that's fine i'll just need to adjust like he's already probably working out how to fix this he's just brilliant like i i, I can i don't want to go into details and like back that statement up right now because then this won't we'll never get to mitchkov and you'll discover that this was a lane hudson episode by accident but um uh just look out for something for mckeems in the next few days i guess that'll be about that yeah. and yeah lane hudson 12th overall you heard it here first, first guys and that's all i've got for you today uh tomorrow we are going to be talking about Another draft prospect, we're talking about Pavel Minchikov, uh, who is the player that I selected in the uh, Locked On Mock Draft, 12th overall. So we're going to be talking a lot about him tomorrow. Uh, super, super excited. That'll be our last draft profile before the draft happens. And then who knows what's going to happen in the draft. Um, but we will have 
reactions, we'll have breakdowns of the analytic and the emotional kind, probably, and uh, all sorts of things. So that's all coming up on Locked On Blue Jackets later this week. I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find this podcast at L-O underscore at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. Thank you once again for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked Up Blue Jackets, free and available on all podcast platforms, also over on YouTube. And uh, tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.